Welcome to the Rainmaker Multiplier On Demand, a podcast for leading financial professionals or rainmakers and their teams that offer support for securing a successful future. From marketing help to staffing structure, listen and subscribe for actionable insights from advisors and skilled professionals alike. And welcome everyone. As always, uh, just a big thanks to uh, two of our guest baristas on, uh, well, one of them's on so far, Chris Cordoba. I think, you know, pretty much everyone at C2P knows Chris uh, out of California Retirement Advisors and David Roth is uh, having a little bit of technical difficulty getting in, but he should be joining us here shortly uh, from my team at Allison Wealth Management. And uh, today we're going to be talking all about how to deliver five-star client service um, and I know these two are, are great subject matter experts on this and uh, just do a really good job. Uh, and of course, you know, reputation is everything. I remember reading the book years and years ago, The Service Economy. Um, I think most of us have probably read that, that just talk about how to continue to differentiate ourselves. And so, uh, Chris, thanks for jumping on. And uh, I see David now. David got in. Good to see you, David. Yeah, good to be here. You even put on a collared shirt, David. Yeah, wow. special day impressive impressive you did that to to just wow the audience here uh well uh, again thanks everyone chris i want to uh, just kind of kick it off and as always this is interactive you know please share any thoughts if you have any good ideas this is where we all uh, truly learn and get better but um you know chris i know this is a topic you're passionate about you've done a great job in your business uh, i want to kind of ask you you know what is like an obvious question it's like when we ask our clients why are you concerned about running out of money in retirement but right but i want to hear your perspective like why is this topic so important to you um and then i'd love to share and hear some things that you've done you know in your business from an implementation standpoint uh thanks dave uh it's a privilege to be here i i know probably everybody on here provides great service otherwise you wouldn't be here so I'm humbled to be invited, uh, and admittedly, I'm aspiring to be even better every day at providing better quality service, and we're not there yet. We're not where I want to be, but the reason that I stay motivated on it is from a business perspective is really just, if you think about uh, what quality service can provide, it really is a very great opportunity to differentiate our businesses from everybody else. I mean, what's your unique ability what's your unique factor and there could there's so many it's so difficult to provide that but if you're providing great quality service in your own unique way whatever that might be you automatically differentiate your business i believe um, it's also helpful in retaining business you know how hard it is to get business in the door uh, what a bummer to see it walk out the other end if you aren't providing service especially because of poor service uh, and then ultimately to help stimulate referrals from uh, your existing clients which i believe is the best way to grow your business uh, so ultimately help you grow your business that way. At the end of the day, I think from my perspective, I, I also stems at the core from the way I was brought up at a Hispanic family, uh, come to our house and uh, my parents are very gracious, always a ton of food on the table. We want to make sure everybody has a great time. And I think about my business that way too. If you're coming to my business, our company, we want to make sure that people walk away with a great experience all across the board because I want them to create, uh, uh, I want them to talk about that to somebody else and really walk away with a smile on their face. That's awesome. I, I love that. Making sure they're having a great time. David, you know, where do you start uh, when kind of applying great service? Is there any like important concepts or anything you think about? Yeah. So, I, I mean, one thing that's really, uh, I, I've thought a lot about this and, and it's been really ingrained into me is a, a key thing is to really want to do or really want to provide excellent customer service for your clients. And, and that sounds really obvious, 
that you want to provide that. But if deep down, like you have that as a motivating factor, everything else comes so much more naturally. You just say, I really want to provide the best customer service. Then you're thinking about that every day, every week, every interaction. And you kind of have to re remind yourself that you want to do that. But just as a, a core kind of ethos or feeling, that's that's one that I always draw back to. I love that. And almost like verbally saying it out loud before you're going to go into a client meeting or, or serve them, because again, it's the reminder of it. Like we all get so busy day to day, but you know, almost just saying it out loud is, is just a great refresher. Yeah. So Chris talk about, you know, you have this four seasons approach, what the, you know, as you call it, kind of what does that entail and, and what does it look like? Uh, sure. Really, that kind of stems a little bit from just uh, to a small degree studying hospitality. I think you can learn a lot from studying hospitality, um, whether it's the Four Seasons or the Ritz-Carlton, but uh, they all have different elements to offer. And one of the things I just always recalled about the Four Seasons experience, um, and you got to remember, this guy, he started this uh, this hotel chain in, in, it wasn't even a hotel, it was a motel in Toronto now a, a long time ago, and has built this to an enormous empire here with over 100 properties uh, amongst like four different, you know, 40 different countries or so forth. But uh, I I thought of it knowing that uh, we were talking about this today, and I, I wanted to read a quote from something that he uh, said at a uh, address to uh, a bunch of uh, Stanford graduates here. Um, and here was this quote, he says, the outcome in our industry normally depends on the frontline employees, doormen, bellmen, waiters, maids, the lowest paid people, and often in too many companies, the least motivated. These frontline staff represent our product to our customers in the most realistic sense. They are our product. And it just reminds me a little bit about um, now shifting gears to a different analogy, maybe like going to one of the best restaurants that you can think of and uh, and you're excited to be there. The waiters bring the food out and uh, they put the plate down. They say, don't touch it because it's hot. Of course, you touch it. Uh, and then uh, they walk away. You're ready to eat. Can't wait to dig in. And then what happens? You don't have your utensils. Right. And so the chef in the kitchen, which is maybe us as the advisors have done an extraordinary job on your end, you know, because you're giving yourselves credit for all the great work we do. <laughs> but what good does it do if the phone isn't answered properly, if uh, if somebody's change of address doesn't get done properly? And so it, it really encompasses, like, I think, a group effort and understanding that uh, creating a culture within your company is as important all the way through and not just with the with a great financial advisor or providing great financial advice. Yeah, I love that. You have um, kind of explain what your three T's are and, you know, kind of how you leverage that concept in your client service process. Yeah, we were ch chatting about that. I know the, the T's are just super simple and really the first T, I'll tell you what they are. They're tools, tech, and training. Uh, tools can be anything. Um, you mentioned a, a book a little while ago. There's um, three books that I um, I ask everybody to read when they come aboard because uh, now generationally, some of these aren't as popular today as they used to be. But uh, one would be The Wow Factor. Um, the other is Raving Fans. And the other is How to Win Friends and Influence People. Um, but C2P is a tool. I mean, all, all these resources that we have in order to improve upon the quality of the work that we're doing, but just really understanding even the Four Seasons experience. We gave a presentation on In-N-Out and how, um, how how they operate different than other companies. So just trying to continue to convey the importance of quality care and customer service. Um, tech is going to be something that we can really leverage to help um, be more efficient in everything that we do along the way. Um, I know a lot of people use Wealthbox or Redtail. We use Hubly to build out our workflows and processes in order to have consistency along the way um, and make sure that everything's getting done properly and consistently as best as possible on a regular basis. Uh, we also use a company called Absolute Engagement uh, to create 
annual surveys, which we just sent out, just got some of the information back, which is kind of cool. Um, you can share more on that if you like. And then, um, and then also um, the other, what's the other tech that, oh, Catchlight. Catchlight is another one that is, uh, interestingly enough, if you're not familiar with it, it's one that's utilized more for, um, for uh, lead generation and getting an idea of what people uh, what what leads might look like before you meet them in terms of potential net worth and um, and things that they like to do and all these things, but they can also be used to get a better sense on uh, your existing clients if you don't really know that information on them yet. And then training ultimately is just to um, to help the advisors understand what the training uh, takes to utilize these tools effectively and build them into your processes because otherwise you just end up with an expensive tech that you're not utilizing. And I think. Um, I've been most guilty of that over the years. So the training and um, and really the um, uh, adoption of utilizing the tools and tech and process is going to be probably most important of all. That's awesome. I, I love kind of the combination of those three. And, you know, so much is even just in communication, right? I, I did a podcast episode uh, with Matt Abrahams, who is uh, a professor of the Graduate School of Business at Stanford on communication. It's going to be released probably in the next week or so on Bucket Plan on Demand. But like even the little things in kind of your body language that come across, I was having this conversation with Conrad, uh, I think what last week or two weeks ago, Conrad, of like the little difference it makes when you smile as you're communicating. So like if your team are answering the phone or talking to clients or like, we have a taxes and retirement seminar coming up at one o'clock today. It's like that importance of smiling as you're communicating. Um, it just helps like drive those natural abilities. And you could feel it on the other end of the phone. Um, when somebody is smiling and talking to you, it's so much different than if they're just sitting there kind of going through the motions. And David, I want to kind of jump over to you quick because I, you know, I think you've done a great job at some of this. Like you probably communicate with our clients at Allison Wealth more than I do now. What are, you know, kind of some of the things that you do in terms of like prioritizing efficiency versus personalization and kind of how you think about that balance there? Because of course, we all want to get stuff done as quick as we can and focus on efficiency, but there's a, a tremendous balance of personalization and individualization that needs to happen. Yeah. And, and I think that it's a great question. A lot of it goes back to who we're working with and how do they like to uh, consume information? Because I'm sure everyone here has different clients who love to talk on the phone and some hate to talk on the phone. Some like to be on Zoom meetings, some like to meet in person. Um, so it, it's really tailoring it to what uh, what the client would want. And some of it is also dependent on what the type of question is. Is this a question that can be answered with an email or is it a question that requires a phone call? Um, I, I can think of a couple examples. We have a couple clients who they love to talk on the phone. So they'll just call us up. And and I, you know, one, one thing that I have, uh, you know, tried to get better at is, is email because I, I personally love talking on the phone. But when we have clients who also like that, it's a great, you know, uh, sync up and, and you know, I, I, I can see with other people in our generation who are a little phone averse, um, it's a little bit harder to connect with those clients. So just to get back to the point, I think just really um, figuring out what works best for the client, whether that's, uh, you know, phone, email, communication, or sometimes even recording a video so that they can process it on their own time. So there's a, a bunch of different options. Yeah, I think I see these, you know, I'm CC'd on a lot of these emails, you know, between David and our clients and like you do so much video recording to walk clients through and answer their questions. 
and use Loom or record a quick Zoom meeting or, you know, do a bomb bomb video. But I see the feedback from these clients and they're like, thank you so much for that video. That was so helpful. And it's so much better than trying to articulate over a phone call just verbally or trying to put in writing to articulate what you're trying to accomplish. And, you know, I think that's definitely been one of the things our clients have appreciated most is just the video communication that you do with them. Yeah. And it's it's great as an advisor, too, because when we go back and, and have an update meeting, I could watch that same video and see what was the analysis that I put through. And it's in a concise two, three minute, uh, two, three minute block. Well, and it even helps me like, you know, when when I'm sitting in the first chair and you're sitting in the second chair tonight, we have a, a review with one of our larger clients and she has a ton of incentive stock options. And it's like, I could try to go look at all those Excel files and the modeling that maybe you did, you know, in January or February. But now that we're closing out the end of the year, for me to just go watch like a five, seven minute video of you explaining some of the options, you know, again, we could reuse those videos to bring us back kind of front and center to, you know, whatever the conversation was or the idea was we were trying to share with the client. Yeah, exactly. So, Chris, are you doing anything like that? Kind of any hacks that you have as you think about like best practices or things you do to make the experience a little more unique? You know, it's interesting. I've been... um uh, pretty feverishly building out our service processes this this year, and um, yeah, and to to David's point, I think um, as you're doing that, it, I found that it's really important to really distinguish what the priority is because it's hard to uh, fire on all, all cylinders. And I've kind of come to the realization that you have to either focus on the caliber of quality on that particular item, or the degree of expediency, how fast you're going to get it done, or it, are you going to create a very customized and personalized experience on it. Um, but before you can do any of that, you've got to meet the regular expectations along the way because you can fail at that and then then everything's out the door. But as we're building out these processes, yeah, at, at the tail end, for instance, of our review process, um, we we have the option for the advisor, just a reminder there to go ahead and click and send a thank you. Um, uh, we could send a thank you, uh, uh, part of the summary, the, the quality uh, consultation summary that we would send out uh, immediately gets dictated. I know most people are doing that. We send that out. We have a template format that we send that out, construct that. And then also, as soon as they leave the office, to send a quality, a, a, a bomb bomb video uh, as well, just thanking them and giving a quick summary of the meeting and look, telling them looking forward to seeing them next time. In addition to that, however, in case somebody doesn't have the opportunity or there's something happening in their life, um, we utilize um, Cardly where you can use Cardly to do a handwritten note um, or card and anything, sympathy, congratulations, anything. Um, and they actually take a sampling of your own writing uh, and you just type it out. We don't even type it out. We just, uh, we have somebody type it out and somebody else on our team executes the, the the card that gets sent to that person's home. So between video and personalization of something that they receive in the mail that's customized, um, those may be just a couple examples uh, along the way. Yeah, I love that. And, and we do something very similar. Again, you know, it's it's about delegation and dividing and conquering based on, you know, who has time to do what also. So when we finish a meeting, Chris, just like you and David and I are in that meeting, you know, I will do a quick thank you bomb bomb video, stole this from Greg Dillon. He's actually going to talk about it a little bit next week at the retreat in, in Orlando that we're doing. But, you know, I do the quick two minute bomb bomb video. Hey, it was great meeting you, Chris. Appreciate your candor, sharing all that great information. Really excited about the value of what we're going to be doing, building out your 
financial plan, putting your bucket plan together, getting all these concerns you have addressed and, and the priorities taken care of, right? Like for me, that's a two, three minute bomb, bomb, click video, hit send, it's out the door. And then behind the scenes, David is doing what Greg Dillon calls the artifact email, which is the full summary. And David, that takes you about how much time on average to put together? It, it depends on the client, if how much information, but it might take an hour or so to, to put together. Uh, again, a lot of it's going back through the notes. I'll, I'll use that time to also update our, our software and CRM so that we have that. Uh, but it's a good use of time. Yeah, it's a good use of time because it gets everything organized. It's every action item. It's every to-do. It's every task. It's making sure everything's up to date in the CRM or e-money and then really summarizing everything out to the client. So while you might think, wow, it's an hour, the, the first thing that we typically do is that that's, that process is really just happening for diamond or blue diamond clients. You know, It might be hard to do that for like somebody who comes in with a $250,000 account. But for the core clients we all want, like that's just the level of service and kind of backend workflow that I think, you know, delivers great value. Um, the one thing I just want to throw out there too, actually, David, this is something that that you created. I've never even mentioned it to you, but I think it's brilliant. I was actually just talking with Dave Buckwald's office about, or Dave Buckwald about this and, and Greg Dillon, I think two or three nights ago, is you've taken the initiative where you actually have opened up like a personal account at some of the contra firms that we do a lot of business at. So like, as an example, we have a lot of clients that have a lot of company stock at E-Trade as the custodian. Uh, like Apple has their plan there and a bunch of others. And I can't tell you how many times we need to walk clients through how to extract certain reports like cost basis reports or ESPP plan reports or incentive stock option reports. And like David opened up an E-Trade account. I don't know, you fund it with a 50 bucks or a hundred bucks. And that allows him to log in and take screenshots of how to do this stuff and create videos. And, you know, that's one of the things that I would highly encourage for your staff. Like I have an account at Schwab. I bank at Schwab. I have an account at Fidelity. I have all of these things set up so I can personalize and relate to what I'm trying to explain to my clients. And so from a service standard, getting your staff using the institutions that you actually utilize to be able to log in as a client and see what they're seeing, I think is a big value in and of itself. And uh, again, I can't tell you how many times having like David have his E-Trade account um, has like saved the day in terms of cutting down hours of work of us trying to get on a one-on-one -on -one call, have the client share their screen, do all that stuff. So that's great. And I think the I think worth noting there, and that's to Dave's credit, is the is just taking the initiative to do that, something you can't teach. Um and and just expanding upon um client quality service from a group effort, not just from uh you, Dave Allison down. You know, it's like here's something you didn't even think of, but it's helping the entire team. I think that's worth mentioning. Absolutely. I mean, Chris, as you think of your team, you know, you have a bigger team than than we have at Allison Wealth, for example, or I mean, even David, for that matter, in any kind of facet of, of what you do uh, at Allison Wealth Management or just kind of otherwise, are there any like key intangibles you think are just paramount to like delivering excellent customer service every time? Um, anything that, that kind of comes front of mind to you? Yeah, well, question. Go ahead, Dave. Yeah, some pe people might not like me for saying this, but I'm from New England and we have like the, the Patriots up here. And, you know, uh, Bill Belichick is famous for saying, just do your job. 
and and you know it, it's it's an intangible of just getting everything done and following the bucket plan process um going through there um well, I guess that might be a little bit more tangible but just the the kind of intangible that you know you just got to get things done that's that baseline of doing things and doing things well it is really takes you I'd say about 95% of the way yeah, I was just going to add just to, uh, I mean, it's, again, nothing novel here, but just uh, putting yourself in the, in the client's situation and think about how you would feel in in that in that situation. It comes back a little bit to the four seasons. It's 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 really the client's perception of reality that 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 you need to focus on, uh, because that's all that matters at the end of the day. And we think about um, an example, you know, maybe to ponder and how you can leverage that is you think about all of the um the the from a marketing perspective how it can be very powerful to attract somebody based upon a life stage event or a milestone or age or something but uh with your existing clients you could do that as well by thinking a little bit about all right um i'm working with this particular team and um i'm turning social security age and i haven't heard from them so it's just another opportunity to rethink where if i was working with a financial advisor office i sure would like to receive some notification because I'm, you know, I'm getting uh, reaching Social Security or Medicare age or anything like that. So just opportunities to uh, provide additional in information to somebody based upon those. I know there's tools and techs that can help do that as well. Well, and I think, you know, some of it is too, like, you know, David, you mentioned earlier, like doing the work. I think that's really important. Like, uh, you know, just an example on, you know, Wednesday evening, of course, I think we were all getting ready for Thanksgiving Thursday. I know for myself, I took two hours in the evening and blocked on my calendar and recorded a personal bomb bomb video for every one of our diamond and blue diamond clients. And I sent it out with their name, giving them a personal message, you know, talking about them. And again, I think that the reality of it is, and I've shared this with David, at least in our practice, like our clients tend to be pretty high net worth. They can go anywhere. Like any wealth management firm would be incredibly grateful to have one of our clients. And so like, you know, we need to defend that. We need to protect that. We need to go above and beyond and really make sure we're kind of forging these personal relationships. And so, you know, was it tedious? Did I want to sit in front of my computer screen for two hours and do that? No. But, you know, again, I think it goes a long way versus them getting a generic card, like maybe not even with their name on it from a third party or like, Chris, I love, you know, the handwritten ones that you have. I think those make it a lot more personal. But I'd identify your most important relationships too. And like, ask, you know, did you wish them a personal Thanksgiving? Did you send them a message? Things like bomb bomb make it so quick, easy and convenient to do. Yeah. And um, the human touch is, is again, just a way to differentiate. Everybody can differentiate themselves just by being yourself, but you got to be in front of the person to do that. And video makes it so easy to do that. Um, and, and not to, not to go back in time, but just actually getting, getting together with somebody and as simple as taking somebody to lunch or dinner is so powerful. Um, we look across the board on the, you know, handful of advisors that we have and the person that's generating the most referrals is simply because they're, they're not simply, that's not the only reason, but I think a big part of it is because they're making the time to uh, connect with people on times that are important to them, taking somebody to lunch or dinner, especially on their birthday or near their birthday, especially if it's a milestone it's so simple to do, um, you know, maybe even inviting some of their friends and family along the way um, if they want to. But I think those human basic elements are um, oftentimes missing with all the tech that we have in this in this world today as well. Yeah, I totally agree. At Allison Wealth and RL10, we added as a scorecard, actually, Brittany's on here. She suggested this when she joined, which was, I, I, I thought it was just awesome, is, 
you know, we have a scorecard measurement of personal non-business interactions with our clients. Like in every quarter, we have a certain goal of how many we want to get. Because again, I think they incredibly value the tax help, the investment returns, the financial planning, the income generation. But again, I think it's all about that kind of personal non-business. Hey, I was thinking about you. How's your son doing at college type of thing that that just goes above and beyond? Charlie, you have your hand up. Do you have a question? I was just going to add a a quick story. Um, I had a a scheduled phone call yesterday with a payroll company. I'm I'm interviewing different payroll companies and it was scheduled for, I think, 10 o'clock and he was supposed to call me and never heard from him. And then we thought maybe we had time zones mixed up. Well, I gave it like six hours and never heard from him. And so I finally sent him an email and said, hey, I'm sure it's my fault. You know, something got miscommunicated, but I just wanted to see if we were still intending to have that phone call. And his response was, Hey, Chris, uh, I called, nobody answered. And that was his, that was all he said. And, you know, it's, first of all, my name's Charlie. So, you know, get, (laughs) get the name right. And then also just take ownership. And even if it wasn't his fault, I would have appreciated if he would have taken ownership on the miscommunication. But after that experience, you know, there's no way I'm going to do business with that company if that's my first interaction with them. And so I think just the the way we communicate, and even if it's not our fault, it's it's still our responsibility to take ownership of mistakes when they're made. Um, goes a long way. You're a hundred percent right. And you know, again, I think it's some of the simple reminders, David. Uh, I think everyone will get a quick chuckle out of this. But like when you first joined, like you know, we had a lot of stuff going on, right? And as a new team member, you're you know, any of new new team members overwhelmed and trying to identify priorities. And remember. One day we were meeting and you were like, kind of, Dave, what are the priorities? And I was like, we only have two. And you took them and you wrote down the two priorities and you stuck it on your computer screen where you, you know, where, where you stare every day. But what, what were those two? Um, bring on new AUM service clients. That was it. And two. actually, not only did I stick it there, I wrote it down every day for about a year. And again, just going back to if you think about those two things, you want to bring in new clients. And when they're in, you just want to provide them excellent service. I mean, it's really simple to follow. And if you think that's my only goal, you say, did I bring in new AUM today? Yes. I brought in new clients. I brought in new assets. Did I service them and do the best job I can? Yes. Okay. I did what I'm supposed to do. You know, we we complicate a lot of things, but it was funny. <laughs> he was like, oh, well, that makes it easier. I said, so is everything you're doing throughout the course of the day, either to bring on new AUM or to service the heck out of our existing clients? Like, if it's not one of those two things, we're probably not focused on the right activities. That's awesome. So anything else, any other kind of insights as we uh, close out here? Um, I'll just add one more. And, and this goes into a lot of the things that we said, but I, I was, um, again, before uh, I, or after college, I worked at in, in a customer service job um, at, at a you know high-end uh, club. And one of the things that one of the managers said that really stuck with me is the the key of good customer service is identifying and solving a need before a person knows that they have it. And so you can translate that into almost anything, whether it's financial planning, you know, if they're going to be at social security age, or um, I think Dave, with our high net worth clients, where we're finding a lot of value is bringing in the estate planning, because that's an area where I feel like we could see a, a need, identify it before a client does. So it might be different to whatever 
your world is, but that's really a concept that I think translates really well throughout. And, and I'll add just, I think just as a, to sum it all up, if you're doing this stuff, it's fun. <laughs> I mean, you can have fun doing this and impressing upon people and uh, having them talk about the things that you've done and how well you've serviced the heck out of them, like you said. And just, I forgot what you called your 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 scorekeeping that you're doing with your team there, Dave, but that's great. I love that. I'm going to take that idea. But um, it also reminded me, again, coming back to the hospitality philosophy where with Carlton, they would have a lineup uh, every day. And uh, essentially, they would go through the lineup and just ask, give everybody an opportunity to discuss how they wowed somebody the day before. Um, and we were doing that during our Monday morning huddles at 845. We got away from doing that, but that was great. And now it just reminded me I need to do that again. Uh, the other thing they did is they spoke about every important guest that was going to come to their hotel uh, the next day and that was going to check in in the morning. And then they would talk about unique aspects of that person so that they could have better conversations. They could service them even better knowing about the manager would basically go through and talk to them and share with them what what they needed to know about to provide a better experience. I think we could do that in our own service business as well. Yeah, I love that. I mean, at the end of the day, I think we all know people want to feel like a person and not a number. And I think the more personalization, like going back to my Thanksgiving videos in Redtail, we track the date everyone became a client and it automatically calculates the years and the time. And I'd pull that up right before I'd record my video and I'd be like, hey, Pat and Cheryl, just wanted to share on this Thanksgiving how grateful we are. Can you believe it's been seven years since you became a client? Think about all the things that we've done over the last seven years and like share personal stories of what you've done. And like, again, I think for your blue diamond clients and your diamond clients, like what what is a better use of your time than being able to kind of build that personal connection and use like events like Thanksgiving or holiday time to reflect upon it. So uh, with that being said, Chris, David, thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast was brought to you by C2P, an organization whose purpose is to educate, train, grow, and support holistic financial advisors so families can achieve true prosperity. Never miss an episode by subscribing now to discover new resources and strategies. Visit c2penterprises.com to learn how we can help scale and secure your business.